Yes Have Some podcast is excited to tell our listeners about Dr. Pepper and the brand new collectible cans from Spider-Man Far From Home. Collectors, it's time to make that decision. Are you going to drink these Dr. Peppers or are you going to leave them mint in package? Either way, you got to collect all five cans available now, including the new limited time flavor Dr. Pepper Dark Berry featuring Mysterio. Get your hands on all five of the new Spider-Man Far From Home cans from Dr. Pepper available at Walmart. From the corner penthouse of Spook Central, all the way to Star Killer Base, this is Yes Have Some Podcast. Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags. The only place in the multiverse where you can love the book, hate the movie, but still buy all the toys. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. I'm not looking for a friend. I'm looking for a Jedi master. A what? Please remember to hold on to your butts and get ready to get stressed. With your hosts, Craig Goldberg, Abigail Gardner, and Jacob Walsh. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 157 of Yes, Have Some Podcast. My name is Craig Goldberg. It's Independence Day, the 4th of July. Fireworks are happening. For the second year in a row, we are recording. We are doing our national duty. Instead of enjoying a barbecue or being outside with friends and family, we are recording Yes, Have Some Podcast. Jake, how are (laughs) you doing? Yeah. We're martyrs. I'm good, man. You know, we're what? We're martyrs? We're martyrs. Hey, you know what, everybody? We're not watching Stranger Things Season 3 for you. Yeah. I Have you started it yet? No, it was today. I had to work. I had to work today. You know, unlike some people. I, go oh. to wor- I work for a living. Did Craig. you do any tattoos today? Yes, I did. What did you do? Did we never. So look, real quick, Abby's not here. Abby is sick. Uh, she wanted to be here to podcast tonight. She's never missed an episode. But uh, she is very much under the weather, so uh, she will not be joining us. But we'll have a little uh, special guest action later when we talk about Spider-Man. But uh, I guess it's just me and Jake. And me and Jake, we've never actually talked before, just one-on-one. Just ever, ever in our lives. Me and Craig have never had a one-on-one conversation. That's weird. What did you tattoo today? Um, I did, uh, let's see, I did a little whale. Um, and then I also did a couple of flowers. Um, I did like a rose and a lily. Um, that's it. I did some drawing for tomorrow's appointment. Um, actually, like uh, we we always are open on a, on the fourth, and because you know we don't give a shit about most holidays. And uh, today's actually a pretty busy day. Like it's always a busy day at the shop. I think probably because we're the only shop that stays open on may the 4th there's always people coming in and i turned down a lot of people today because <laughs> hey, i don't like yeah. july the 4th what did i say may, may the 4th, did I say may the 4th? <laughs> <laughs> guys i like star wars hey we we're making star wars great again <laughs> hopefully somebody is uh yeah i actually turned down a bunch of people today because i don't like to do walk-ins a whole lot i don't like I just I want time to to get ready, so I was just like, no, I can't do it today. And then I just waited around for my actual appointments to come in. Gotcha, very cool. Uh, yeah, so I spent the entire afternoon trying to remove a kitten 
from the engine of Abby's car. I think I got it. It's not there anymore. I didn't remove it. Now uh, let's talk about let, – we need to backtrack because it sort of sounds like you ran over a kitten or it it also could sound like – well, I guess – well, I guess the other option is what actually happened is just that a cat, cat somehow in ended up in your engine. Dude, I called the fire department. Cause I was you like, actually they... – wait, hold on. So like the thing that you see in movies where they're being silly and making jokes about – calling the fire department to help a cat. You actually did that today? Well, I didn't I didn't know who was going to answer the call. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't call 911 though. I just called well, Hold I, on. I I want to talk about this more because I feel like I feel like calling the fire department to help a cat is not like a that's not a real so, thing that happens. That's like a joke. Okay, two things. A, I know Wait, it's ridiculous, it. and I told the guy when he answered. Like, I didn't call nine one one. I called them directly, and I told and the guy was like, "Well, let me put you on with my chief." I was like, "Oh, I guess there's a chief there." Yeah, because they're making fun of you. He's like, "Hey, we gotta let everyone. Hey, everybody, shut up. Hey, get the chief. We, Here, we gotta let him hear this." Here's the thing. It's a small town. There's nothing call going on. There's that. Yeah, get him on the phone. Uh, and I was like, "Hey, man." I know this is dumb and ridiculous, but there is a little kitten stuck under the hood of the car. I cannot get to it. And like the thing is, like, I had some neighbors try to help us. It didn't work out. I would go to like an auto shop where they could like lift up the car and get up under there. But it's the 4th of July and nobody's open. So uh, the cat picked the worst possible day to get stuck, but it's not there anymore. Well, at least it's not making any noise. So, <laughs> hey, real quick, remember we haven't talked about this that much. Remember that part in Violet Ramus Steele's book where? Oh my god, I don't ever want to talk about that part. Where Harold Ramus killed a cat? What was the context <laughs> about that? I don't even remember it. I think it was like they were trying to get rid of the cat or something, and it it was like coming back or something. He like drowned it in a trap in a garbage can or something. Yes, he's a feline. I want, I want to pretend that I want to. I, I, you know what? That's what we should have asked her about at the uh, fan fest. I've been like, hey, you know what? Your book's great. I love you know seeing like reading about. The real Harold Ramis in the life. Why would you fucking put that in the book? Hey, what if we made Harold Ramis Cat Buster shirts? <laughs> like feline eliminator. Okay. Anyways, so yeah, he just, cats... he's wearing a trash can on his back. <laughs> he just bags them and pops them in. Ah, uh, Kappa Zappa Trappa. <laughs> Zappa Kappa Trappa? Is that still a thing? We're all over the place. We need Abby to balance us out here. <laughs> so this is what we're going to do. We got some stuff going on. Got Ghostbusters stuff. We got Bill and Ted stuff to talk about. And then Friend of the Cod... Friend of the Cod? <laughs> friend of the Cod... Codcast. That's what the... Up in uh, like Martha's Vineyard, they have Codcasts instead of podcasts. Yeah. Because they love catching Cod off Martha's Vineyard. Hey... Happy Fourth of July! I love Jaws, by the way. <laughs> well, it's—I mean, it's the best movie. Best Are you going to watch it today? I already have, but I'll probably put it on again. Yeah, <laughs> it really is the greatest movie of all time. Yeah, um, for sure. And uh, I was thinking when we do our live panel at Dragon Con because we're going to be talking about the futures of our favorite franchises. We need yeah. to have a segment where we talk about franchises that never need to be touched again. Okay. 
and I'm sure you'll talk about Jaws. I want there to be 19 more Jaws movies. Oh, okay. Well. I want Jaws meets the Leprechaun. Oh. What would that I mean, be? Would he I don't know. him? I don't know. But no, I mean, maybe. Maybe <laughs> they become Maybe they become friends. Or maybe it's a versus. I don't know, but I want to see it happen. I want to see the Orca with just Richard Dreyfuss and Lyndon Porco uh, <laughs> hunting down a shark. I would watch that. Let's make that happen is what I'm saying. Um, well, cool. So before we uh, get going, I did want to thank all of the folks who have been tuning into our Patreon episodes. And uh, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun doing the bonus episodes. Uh, we had a t- I know before we went on our trip to L.A., we did like the origin story of YHS, which was really cool. And then we had a couple weeks of recapping our trip to Los Angeles and I don't even remember what we did last week, but it was fun. I had a lot of fun with it. I think people had fun. So if you want to get in on the bonus episodes, we do two to three a month. It's only $5 that gets you in the door. You get immediate access to our complete archive of bonus episodes. We are at the one year uh, mark for Patreon. So you get a whole year of uh, basically back issues. And uh, when I was a kid and I would get magazines, I would always go to the back and try to, like, order the older issues that I'd missed out. Did you do that? Uh, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but you don't have to worry about that because there is no I Yes, think last, I think magazine. last week was, uh, oh, should there be, though? Uh, yes, Have Some Magazine? Yes, yeah. there should be with, like, fake ads for products that don't exist. Exactly. Okay. Um, um, I think last week was Museum of Death. Maybe no, it was that was uh, last week we did a vintage fuck budget, flashback fuck budget. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. You're right. But the magazine. Uh, well, let me before I move on to the next thing. Uh, if you want to get in on Patreon, it really helps us out. We love your support. We very much appreciate it. You're going to go to Patreon.com/slash Yes Have Some. You sign up and uh, join that Patreon community because uh, we got a lot of fun stuff planned over the next couple months. And uh, we're going to keep these bonus episodes going. So, like I said, we appreciate everybody's support. And, uh, Jake, the back issue thing reminded me of the thing you posted on Instagram this week, the Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Uh, yeah, let's talk about what, it. What was that? Um, I, went to a, I went to a thrift store and I found uh, the junior novelization of The Lost World. And on the very last page had that it just had like a little <clears throat> a little an address and it was just like hey join the official Jurassic Park Dinosaur Club you know send your your check or 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 credit card information to this address and um just had you know th- there was a there was a Jurassic Park club which I- I'm jealous about. I'm I'm mad at my mom for not ever getting me that probably actively keeping me from knowing that it existed. <laughs> she, re- You had that uh, Lost World uh, novelization, and she, like, tore that page out. <laughs> She's like, no Dino Riders, no Jurassic Park Dinosaur Club. I'm not paying a yearly anything. Dude, that's really funny that your mom, like, actively was... She had, like, a, a campaign against you to keep you from fulfilling all of the enjoyment of your life. Uh, I find it funny. One day we're going to get her on the podcast and we can confront her and she's going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? None of yeah, this exactly. happened. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so, 
Yeah, my favorite thing about that was like the send check or money order or just your credit card information. Just write yeah, down. Just write it. Your credit card number and your expiration date on a slip of paper, put it in an envelope and send it to Jurassic. Just and put also, it out there. doesn't tell you what, what you get, what this entails. It's very nebulous. No, it is a, it is a one-year membership for only $19.95. That um, seems like a lot of money for $19.97. Probably, I don't know. I mean, for uh, $5, uh, just... you get Patreon and it's 2019. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Sometimes I like to look in in the back of uh, in the back of magazines to look at the old ads like that, especially like uh, um, there's a there's a Godzilla magazine called G Fan that goes out quarterly, and I found out about that when I was in elementary school, maybe 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 middle school. I'm not sure, but I remember when I found out about it. Um, I, you know what? The whole reason I found out it had to be middle school. The whole reason I found out about it is because, uh, one of our assignments was you had to find a magazine, write them a letter and, and do some sort of like, you had to like, I don't know why, but you had to get info on the magazine. And I remember just being like, maybe there's a Godzilla magazine. And there was. So I, I remember I sent them a letter and I was just like, I told them, I explained to them what I was doing for class and if I had, could have info. And they sent me, I think, like one issue for free and they and they sent me just like info on the magazine. But I remember after that, my, my mom was probably so annoyed because after that, I made her like get me a subscription for a little while. But it was always it always had ads in it, and it also had ads that were just like anybody could put an ad in it. There was just a section where anybody could just be like, "Hey, you know, I'm selling uh, a, a 1983, you know, Godzilla model for this," and, and, and that kind of stuff is just kind of. I mean, it's like it, it was like a Facebook Marketplace, but only for Godzilla stuff in the back of this Godzilla. Yeah, magazine. I mean that's how so magazines weird. used to be. Like that's where, yeah. like in the in wrestling. Like, people would do, like, tape trading and stuff like that. Dude, yeah. kids don't know. Like, having a magazine subscription, like, in the 90s was the biggest deal. Like, I would – I had, like, multiple magazines I subscribed to that would all come at, like, different intervals. So I was getting, like, a new magazine a week. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I, I still get that magazine every now and then. One, one thing that I really love about it is that there was – you know how uh, – when you're subscribing to a magazine, there's always like, um, they'll, they'll give you like deals on other subscriptions or something oh, right, like that. Right, right. Um, I remember one time, uh, I got my G fan and they were like, Hey, we're putting out a book. Um, it is, it was called the, uh, the illustrated encyclopedia of Godzilla. And they were like, we're going to put this book out. This is the only way you can get it. And it was it was a mail order thing. Like you had to order it. You had to fill the form out and send the money and order it. And um, it's it's a rare book now. It, it's pretty expensive to get your hands on it. But I, I, I made my mom buy me one back when it was released. And I still have my copy. It's a little beat up. But uh, – I'm I'm really proud of that. I'm happy that cool. I, I I'm I'm so proud that I bullied my mom into buying me that book. Well, she deserved Thanks. it by everything Thanks. from everything you've told me. Hey, also <laughs> she uh, she deserved to buy me that Godzilla book. I used to uh, be obsessed with Weekly World News, like the oh yeah, I like, used to buy that. 
like uh, Bat Boy, and you mm-hmm. know, it, it's just like it's all made up, just crazy. You know, aliens, yeah. like the aliens shaking hands with Bill Clinton, like that kind of stuff. But they would always have ads in there for like like lucky medallions and stuff. And like I would beg yes. my parents, I was like, guys, listen. I don't know how you feel about having six months of good luck, but it's kind of important to me. We're going to have to pay forty nine ninety nine for this medallion. What do you think? And uh, they they laughed at me. They laughed in my face. Um, speaking of magazines, I guess we should talk. They announced today that Mad Magazine is ending after like 60 years. Oh, my wow. reaction was... I didn't know it was still going. I didn't either, uh, honestly. So I know people are pretty bummed about that. You know, I've been listening to this uh, audiobook for uh, Wild and Crazy Guys, mm-hmm. um, which is the book that is about, uh, gosh, uh, you know, Steve Martin and yeah. Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, basically all of the these actors that came from SNL and SCTV in the 70s. And... Uh, it's it's amazing because it basically breaks down everybody's career individually and it kind of re-solidified in my mind like how the, the 80s were hands down we will never have another era of movies like that. Like I don't think I think that's the best era for movies. There's just no arguing because like especially comedies like Fucking Ghostbusters and Beverly Hills Cop came out the same year. And like, yeah. another weird thing is like, did you know like Uncle Buck was like really well reviewed and did really well in the box office, which I knew. And it should, and it's an amazing movie. But like Great Outdoors bombed and like people hated it. Isn't that weird? I, I did not know that. I, you know, it's so weird because like I didn't see the Great Outdoors until maybe last year. And it's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And Uncle Buck, I remember watching it a lot when I was younger and really liking it, but I hadn't watched it in a long time. And then I think it was at Dragon Con last year. It was on the TV. Oh, was yeah, that at Dragon we just, Con when we were watching it? Yeah, we and love watching I, we movies were, at Dragon Con. We were all just sitting there and I was like, this movie is so good. It's great. <laughs> it's a good movie, yeah. We know it's, I think, written and directed by John Hughes, like the most yeah, prolific, yeah. you know screenwriter ever hey, but anyways i just want hey, to plug ho- that book hey really quick so i just i just looked up this godzilla book on ebay yeah and there are none for sale at the moment but i checked the completed uh you know the completed listings only one comes up and a, and a best offer was accepted so this isn't the price it went for but it was on ebay for 365 dollars see Mrs. Jacob so Walsh's you, mother. Mom. Thank you. You did good. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess we're kind of all over the place and we're definitely going to be talking about Far From Home. But uh, let's talk about the Ghostbusters news from last week because it was announced last Thursday, the day we dropped our episode and the day after we recorded. With the Ghostbusters stuff that's going on, there are a couple weeks from filming. I don't it's very stressful because like the buildup to answer the call was such a, it's, it was very different than what's happening with this movie. Like they're keeping everything very close to the vest and they're about to start filming. We don't really know the plot. We know some of the cast, but when there's an announcement 
of any substance, it's very exciting because like we're all, I know I'm freaking out that after 30 years, we're about to get a Ghostbusters 3. So, Jake, you saw the video. Yeah. They, they revealed it in a cool way. They put up a video on Twitter. It said, look who's, it didn't say answered the call. It said something about, look who's <laughs> taking the call. I think it did. It said something. <laughs> the video goes up on Twitter. We've all seen it. What was your reaction to this video with this announcement? <clears throat> I I mean, I was very excited about it. It's just good to see any casting news is, is great. And every time you get, uh, you know, casting, it just makes it feel more real. I feel like you, you hear, we've talked about this before. We've all been through this thing with Ghostbusters where it's like, you can be told a hundred times that there is a new movie being made, but until you kind of see something, it's like, well, it's what's happening. And I think um, it was really great to be at FanFest and 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 to listen to Jason uh, talk about everything. But also, there were no big announcements at FanFest. So after that, it was I mean, it was just really cool to see that here's like this is a major bit a bit of casting. Like Paul Rudd is he's a pretty big actor. He's very funny. He's good and you know, everything he's been in, he's great. And, uh, it's, it's just, it's exciting. It's, it's weird because like Paul Rudd is one of those names that was attached to so many Ghostbuster rumors like 10 years ago. Right. Right. And now he is in the movie. So, but yeah, yeah. we don't know much. So we know that he's going to be playing a teacher, uh, in the town. So that could, I mean, that could be anything. Like I saw somebody was like, Oh, that sucks. He's going to be a teacher, not a Ghostbuster. I was like, if you recall in the but movie she- Ghostbusters, they were all three teachers. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm I'm ready for the. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to like spoil too much about the movie, but I'm very excited about the casting of Daniel Day Lewis as well. Oh, oh yeah, I'm gonna will that into existence. You're gonna will that one. He's gonna Daniel Day Lewis comes out of retirement, right? To to be a Ghostbuster. I mean, maybe. I mean, who else? Like, well, are they wouldn't want to do it? You know, I mean, if, I'm just saying. Like, if anybody was smart, then they would just put <laughs> Daniel Day Lewis in the movie. So when Paul Feig first announced his, the cast for Answer the Call, uh, it was a polarizing reaction, to say the least. Not, right. Just because, like, not from the whole like four women thing, but just like. Not everybody loves Melissa McCarthy. Maybe not everybody loves Leslie Jones or Chris, like whatever. But like, and and everybody's got different opinions on actors and actresses. But Paul Rudd, to me, falls into the category of essentially universally loved. Like you don't really meet people. I mean, I'm sure there's people who don't like Paul Rudd, but he's as close to like, I, di- I didn't see a whole lot of negativity about Paul Rudd being cast in Ghostbusters. In fact, I saw... The same, like, people were sharing it and sharing, 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 like, hundreds mm-hmm. of times. Like, people, like, everybody loves Paul Rudd because you know what you're going to get with him. Like, it's not like, like, he he plays Paul Rudd. So he he's going to be probably a slightly sarcastic, charming, funny character in the movie is yeah. what I'm guessing. And I think he, if he is a Ghostbuster or if he does put on a Proton Pack, he is a actor who to me fits the mold of uh what you would think somebody in a Ghostbusters movie like would be. Like I think that's like a perfect casting choice. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, there's not out. There's not even. There's not even anything else I think you can really say about it. Right. Like he he's in the movie, and I think it's a good. Uh, we're, I think we're heading in the in the right direction. Yeah, and and as production ramps up and they start with filming, we're we're gonna get little pieces here and there. Um, I think though, they're filming in like the middle of nowhere, Calgary. Uh, yeah. I'm not expecting there to be a lot of leaks. Uh, like, I hope not. I don't want to see. I don't want to see too much. You know. I mean, I I, I would no, like to either. be. Yeah, I would like to be surprised. I'm also kind of like not to not to go ahead and jump into the Bill and Ted shit, but like. It's really amazing to be like, whoa, there's Bill and Ted with, you know, the phone booth. But also, that's not what I want to be looking at. I don't want to be seeing, you know what, like, sure, it's cool to see that. But also, how much cooler would it be to just see the trailer first and be like, oh, fuck, here's Bill and Ted. It's Bill and Ted. It's it's like it's it's like it's a spoiler, but it's not a spoiler. But hey, also, where's that filming? Do we know? So Bill and Ted's in New Orleans. So there's no chance of them just doing like a Ghostbusters Bill and Ted crossover. What if there was just cameos by Bill and Ted in the Ghostbusters movie or Ghostbusters in Bill? I, I just, I just because it's filming at the same time, I just want that. Okay, let's make that happen. We'll have that okay. and Daniel Day Lewis. Thank also, you. thank you. Like Daniel Day Lewis is also like that's what I'm trying to think about. Like actors that are literally universally loved. Like you know who I would like to see Adam Scott. I think He's Adam great. Scott would be. He's great. Yeah. It, because he can also, he's got. Do you some know? Range do you know? Too. I didn't. I didn't like that guy at first, but do you know why? I'm trying to it's, think. It's, well, because it's because of Step Brothers. Yeah, because of Step Brothers. That was the first thing I've ever saw him in, and I was just like, "Fuck a dude's an asshole." And I'm and and obviously that's a character, but I think um, I think that's probably something that happens a lot if you see an actor in a movie and they're playing a shitty character it's the first the first experience you've had with that actor you kind of like associate them with that and i don't think i saw him again in anything until he was in parks and rec you yeah. know and, and he's and he's amazing in that and he's been great in um everything you know everything i've seen him in i, I really like him in in uh krampus he's he's great in that so yeah he'd be it's he'd funny be fun. it's funny when like for a long time, like I would describe Adam Scott as like no, he's like the asshole brother from Step Brothers, and people would be like, oh okay. And then eventually, he just became Adam Scott. Same with Chris Pratt. Remember, it was like Chris Pratt got cast as Star Lord. Who you know, he's Andy on Parks and Rec. Which Andy one's Andy? Parks. You know, yeah. so it's like it kind of. Um, but anyways, Adam Scott has not been cast in Ghostbusters. So, uh, no, but, I think, but Daniel Day Lewis has. We but just Daniel Day Lewis has been cast. Um, we just haven't talked about it. We yet, should put up know? some sort of disclaimer that Daniel Day Lewis has not been cast in Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna Photoshop. Like, I hope there's, you know, what? There's gonna be a set leak, you know, of just a photo. I'm gonna Photoshop Daniel Day Lewis in the background. No, oh, you know what I want to do? This is what makes me wish we had a magazine so I can write. Uh, a fake article about how you know how Daniel Day Lewis is like notorious for being a method actor. I want to I want to like Photoshop and write an article about like yeah, Daniel Day Lewis ate dinner tonight in a restaurant and he would not take his proton pack off. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he uh, he no he's playing Slimer and he he's just, just painted green all he's of them. Just, he's just destroying the restaurant eating people's food. Uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll <laughs> slime this whole place. Oh man! But no, I'm just excited and like, um, you know, we don't. They're 
so far so good. Like they're keeping it, uh, they're keeping it very tight, tight lipped. And that, I think that's going to be a better experience for everybody. We're not going to, if things do leak, I'm sure we'll see them, but we're not going to really, we're going to try to talk more about like the official announcements and kind of let it basically Jason Reitman said early on, he wants to unwrap this, uh, movie like a present and have all the surprises be kind of calculated. And, uh, and also the interesting thing about the Paul Rudd video, which was very funny, by the way, when he said, uh, I just slimed myself. We were watching 40 year old Virgin the other night when he, the part of 40 year old Virgin when he's, uh, just freaking out and he's like, got his pants pulled down. He's got the camera on his ass. <laughs> and he looks yeah. at the camera because he's like he's really mad at uh, Mindy Kaling, his ex. And he right. goes, he goes, uh, I'm gonna go out tonight. Maybe I'll go to a club. Maybe I'll go to a nightclub. It's just the way he <laughs> says it is so funny. Um, but yeah, I have a feeling that Paul Rudd video was shot like a month ago because well, it 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 100 was because and this is something I'm glad you said that because I kind of forgot about it. But um, the article. The the way the article the article was obviously written before FanFest because it was like it was like announced earlier at Ghostbusters FanFest. It was written with whoever whoever wrote that had the knowledge that this was supposed to be announced at Ghostbusters FanFest. Yeah. That video was probably just supposed to be shown to us and uh Probably when they um, showed the Annie Potts video. <laughs> probably. Um uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if this is, you know, confirmed, but I'm sure it's probably, it was probably a, uh, uh, what do you call those agreement things that they write up a contract thing? Maybe yes. it wasn't, it the wasn't completely wasn't set. Finalized. Yeah, it wasn't set yet, but yeah, that video was shot before FanFest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it would have been really cool to have that announced there, but listen, it didn't happen, and that's okay because it was announced now. And it was Wizard World's fault. Probably. It was Wizard. We'll just blame Wizard. Sure, you know, sure. <laughs> uh, real quick, before we talk about Bill and Ted, and then we'll get on to Spider Man. Does it? We're so close to this stuff, you know. Like, yeah. I. But I do feel like every. But like, I saw the Paul Rudd announcement everywhere. Like it was on every website, on every page. But it was funny because. I asked a guy I know, I was like, hey man, did you hear about Paul Rudd? He's like, yeah, dude, Ghostbusters. I was like, oh, I was like, you heard about it? He's like, yeah, I saw it on Yes Absom's Facebook page. I was like, damn it. <laughs> I'm trying to get a, a, a finger on the pulse of, uh, you know, what? I don't know. I, I, I want this movie to be huge. I want it to be like, holy shit, Ghostbusters is back in a big way. But I guess we have to wait a year to find out if that's going to happen. Uh, let's talk yeah. about Bill and Ted. So, uh, Bill and Ted started filming in New Orleans. Uh, Bill and Ted face the music day one of shooting. There was a couple teaser images, but then I guess there's just tons of paparazzi uh, because some video leaked of of Bill and Ted. Uh, it's not really a spoiler. It was Bill and Ted running out of the phone booth, uh, but there was a bunch of images, and uh, I didn't think it would be this early on in the shoot. I thought we'd see like an official image released, but Alex Winter, Keanu Reeves, they're back. It's very surreal. Jake, what was your reaction to that? <clears throat> it's very, I mean, it's exciting. It's very exciting and it's very weird. Keanu Reeves kind of looks weird. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's because his hair is very like, uh, he's like clean shaven, which I guess is a Keanu that we maybe haven't seen in a while. He's usually right. got he's like a, a little bit of a, a stubble, a yeah. beard. His hair is also very straight, 
to the point where it kind of looks like a wig and he's in, you know, this like weird suit. And it's strange because Alex Winter just looks like the character. So it's like it's and I mean, obviously, I'm sure, you know, whatever. It's just a it's a it's an out of context picture on the first day of filming. But just to see the two of them running around the phone booth. And also there are pictures that you t- – I didn't know these existed until you told me, and I, I went and looked them up, but there are pictures with, this like, This could be Gandhi. spoiler – yeah, spoiler territory. Yeah, fuck it. Spoiler, whatever. It's out. Gandhi yeah. and, like – who's the other one? Sacagawea. Sacagawea running around, and I'm just like – already it's like, what the fuck is this movie going to yeah. be about? Like, I don't care. I'm just excited for it. Um, I'm nervous, you know? I just – I hope it's – I mean, this is I, a movie. That's, I hope it's funny. The 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 development of this movie rivals Ghostbusters, maybe not in the start stop fashion, but they've been talking about doing another Bill and Ted for a very long time. And the article, remember when like the whole Entertainment Weekly article came out and it was like Bill and Ted Three is happening? That was in March of 2018. So like, yeah, but then also after that article came out there was also more doubt shed on the whole thing like i remember right after that something happened where they were like well maybe it, it might not be right. you know? so it's like yeah. i don't understand the world of filmmaking and producing and finances but it took a lot to get this movie uh rolling and i'm very very excited because like you just know it's going to be a fun feel good nostalgia movie like and that's just like that and that's what it should be like it doesn't need to break any new ground um i did see people on twitter are complaining that uh bill and ted have daughters even though at the end of bogus journey they were both uh boys well Uh, you know i was i was wondering about that here's the thing do they specifically say that they're boys or do they just say little bill and little ted because if you look at the names of those characters they they are still named Bill and Ted. They're yeah. named like girl versions of Bill and Ted. So calling them Little Bill and Little Ted still makes sense. It still so makes I, sense. I, it's and been also, a while since I've watched part two, so I don't know. I think I saw today that the twins that played Little Bill and Little Ted were girls. So <laughs> so it all works out. <laughs> it doesn't um, matter. But uh, I'm 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 dude. Next summer is going to be weird. Like in a five or six week period, God, we're getting I. What's the release date for this movie? Okay, so here's here's a couple for, for everybody keeping tabs here. Uh, Top Gun 2 comes out June 24th. Ghostbusters 3 comes out July 10th. This movie comes out in August, and then Coming to America 2 comes out in August. So basically, next year is going to be my favorite year of all time. Now, will all four of those movies I just talked about be great? Top Gun, I really could care less, but I'm sure people are excited about it. Ghostbusters, uh, mildly excited about that one. Uh, Coming to America could suck. I don't know. But Bill and Ted, I think, is going to be amazing. I really do. I think that they're going to do a really good job. Um, I've never seen Coming to America. Well, we have to change that. It's very funny. It's one of my favorite uh, 80s comedies. Okay, okay. Hey, well, I'll watch it. Real quick, before we yeah. move on, before we get John on the phone, do we think Rick Moranis is going to be in Ghostbusters? Mm, I don't know. I mean, um, he, he legit has, has not acted since like 98. He hasn't, but he's also like, 
he has said where he would be open to acting in a role if he thought it was worth it and not, you know, just like a cash grab or whatever. And, and he he turned he did turn down a cameo and, you know, answer the call. So who knows? Like maybe uh, I think it might be a, a a bit of a does that character belong in this movie kind of thing. If he's not, it, I don't think they're going to just shoehorn in um, the character just for the sake of them putting him in there. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't the, the movie doesn't Jason Reitman has a deep affinity for the movie and it feels like he's being very careful about about every aspect of it, right? So, like, I feel like... I guess the thing I wonder is, like, when he wrote the movie, when, he, when him and Gil Keenan went and wrote this movie, they had to know in the back of their head that, like, Bill Murray and Rick Moranis are not, like, guarantees. Like, Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson guarantees. But to me, there's no way that, like, really key parts of the story would be based around Lewis Tully or Peter Vingman, unless there was a deal with Bill Murray made that we just don't know about, you know, a while ago kind of thing. Like that, because I mean, what if Peter Vingman is a very important part of this movie? Like I, I like I, I, but from everything we know about Bill Murray, I would just assume that they would need to write it. And if, if they couldn't get Bill Murray, they could easily remove Vankman from the movie and not like hurt the core of the story. Same yeah. with Rick Moranis. But I don't know. We'll know soon enough. Time goes by fast. I hope it goes a little faster. I hope Dragon Con hits and then it's like we skip to next year. We're like, oh shit, Ghostbusters comes out next month. <laughs> Dude, I got a fortune cookie last night uh, that said your goal will come true in two months. And I was like, well, we're exactly two months from DragonCon. Let me figure out what my goal is. <laughs> Anyways. Um, all right, cool. So what we're going to do is get John your cave on the line to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. We're going to do that right now. All right, everybody. Joining us now on Yes, Have Some Podcast, our very special friend. <laughs> Our special friend. We're special friends now. This is great. I didn't want to call him a guest because I don't. Friends aren't guests; they're just friends. That makes no sense. Hi, John. How are you? I'm I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good, good man. Bro. We uh we we know you like yourself, Spider Man, and uh, <laughs> that's a way to put it. And uh, Abby's Abby's out sick, so we had to tag you in. And uh, we all just saw Spider Man Far From Home. I don't know if everybody was sipping on their Dr. Pepper Dark Berry in the theater like I was. Of course. Uh, what else are you going to do? But I did enjoy in one of the post credit scenes there was a giant Dr. Pepper uh, ad. <laughs> yeah, I noticed it. He swung right by. He swung right by, and I almost yelled out, Dr. Pepper! <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out why you guys weren't in that. Wasn't that part of the whole deal? Like you were going to be God. in the. What the background? Would that not have been a, like the weird? What if it was something we didn't know about and just like for some reason he's like looking on his computer watching our ad? That would yeah. be the weirdest. <laughs> hey, Jake, what if when that happened you stood up in the theater and screamed at the top of your lungs, just what the fucking doctor ordered? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that'd be good. Um, okay, so we all saw Spider-Man: Far From Home, the latest entry into the MCU. And since no movies have been officially announced going forward, it could be 
the last one. And considering there was a giant earthquake in California today, I don't know. Will we ever see another MCU movie? The jury's out. John, did you feel Definitely. that uh, earthquake out in Arizona? Negative, sir. I I woke up and literally like I got on YouTube just to see people's hot takes on what all the the Easter eggs and post credit stuff meant in uh, Far From Home. And right next to like 93 things you missed in Spider-Man Far From Home, <laughs> there was a video from CNN that was like, oh, a magnitude 6.4 earthquake hit Southern California. I was like, well, I missed that one. <laughs> I did message our friend uh, Troy Benjamin to make sure him and his family were okay. They are. Uh, he said it felt like the ground was rolling and that he felt like he was on a boat. So wow. that's not a feeling that I've ever had. So I wish everybody on the West Coast uh, safety. But let's talk about this, man. So um, Spider-Man Far From Home, obviously we all know about Endgame. Very uh, uh, somber and bleak ending uh, to a certain extent. Spider-Man leans on the uh, more lighthearted comedic tones. Uh, Jake, how did you think this movie, (laughs) just in general as a follow-up to Avengers, what, uh, what were your initial impressions? Well, at first, I maybe through the first half of the movie, I thought it was kind of a weird follow up to Avengers. Um, It just felt like such a different, even though they're constantly talking about uh, Tony Stark in the especially in the first half. um, It just really felt they they, I guess they do kind of go over the snap at the beginning, but it felt like it was great. But 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 for me, at first it felt like it was taking place in another world. Almost. It just felt so, it was so light and funny and just very entertaining. Like from the start that it was such a 180 to me and it was almost jarring, but then it kind of reached a point into the movie where certain things happened. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is a little heavier than it felt at first. It kind of, it kind of like gained weight as it as it went for me. Yeah, yeah uh, John. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think. Uh, are we are we getting into spoilers here? Like, can we? Speak yeah, freely? let's do it. Yeah, uh, do if it. you haven't cool. seen Spider Man Far From Home, uh, stop <clears throat> stop your VCR or however you take on. Yes, I have some podcast. <laughs> take on. Oh man. However you take us on, it's a battle between us Don't and our listeners. Don't say it like week. that. That doesn't sound good. Choose your player. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, but we, uh, we, we, we're going to get into some spoilers here. So, uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah, no, I I agree. I think there is definitely – because they, they started off immediately just reminding you like, hey, these people died. Like Avengers died. But they do it in a really humorous tone, and, it, and it's well done. Like it, it comes off great, but it is it is weird to – you know, the last thing you really remember is like the funeral scene, and then Steve gets all old, and you're just like, oh, my gosh, half the team is – no longer, you know, on duty, if not dead. And then we jump into like this very humorous memorial video. Um, but then I agree with Jake, like as you go along, you're seeing these sorts of like kind of humorous ways of reminding you of what has just happened. And then for me, I think the scene that really w- had that moment of like, no, but seriously, this is this is like a heavy spot was um, when they're doing the like the charity fundraiser thing and Aunt May presents the check and then he goes back out to say hi and like take pictures and stuff and just gets bombarded with those questions of like, you know, 
are you are you the leader of the Avengers now? What's going to happen with this? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do if aliens come back? And then Peter is just like, this is too much. And then he tries to get away and get a moment of peace, only to look up and there's like a giant, you know, graffiti Iron Man. And he, like he just can't get out of Iron Man's shadow. And that kind of sets the tone for like his character arc for the whole film. And I thought that was a good way to go to like remind you that like, Hey, this is a Spider-Man film. It's going to be fun. It's going to have some comedy in it, but also like, yeah, we're, we're dealing with a world in a situation that was really rough. Yeah. And it was funny when, so the movie, <coughs> the movie starts and you hear the, the, uh, uh, Whitney Houston, I will always love you. And mm-hmm. so I immediately like, cause I think I'm a lot smarter than I am. You guys might know that. I was like, oh my God, I will always love you from the Bodyguard soundtrack. Bodyguard, Happy Hogan. There's going to be an opening scene of Happy Hogan literally having sex with Aunt May. Called it. Oh. <laughs> and then and then it just, not even having, but you know, like a sedu- I don't know. I thought Peter was going to walk in on them, which would be very funny. Just putting that out there. But anyways, uh, I thought that, uh, that so in in high school I was on our multimedia team and like we oh, we produced videos like that like w- after nine eleven or when like Aaliyah died or when Dale Earnhardt died which were literally the three most important moments of the early two thousands oh my uh, gosh <laughs> uh, like we did like it that is what <laughs> high schoolers do they put together like yeah. it's supposed to be heartfelt but it's cheesy but to me the clips of uh, the blip and the snap happening like. Mm-hmm. I could watch. They need a found footage movie yeah. of of the snap, or like, even just like legitimate, like in in universe clips from different news stations, just talking about like where were you when the snap happened? Right, exactly. <laughs> or like a mockumentary set in the Marvel universe, like you were saying. Yeah, but um, yeah, I thought um, <coughs> I you know what's really surprising to me about this movie is I really enjoyed it. Um. It seems to be like universally, like people who, uh, people like Jake or people like my brother who are big MCU fans, but but are not willing to just say like every single one of those movies, like yes, home run. Like uh, Jake, you were fairly critical at times of Captain Marvel. Uh, my brother was kind of in the same boat. I'm, I'm not like calling you out for that. I'm just saying. But Jake, yeah. you were you really liked this movie a lot. I did. I mean, I've I've always been a, a pretty big fan of of Spider Man in general, and I've always liked those movies. I think one of the things that the MCU Spider Man is doing really well is that they're these villains are pretty are pretty grounded in reality, and the Vulture and uh, Mysterio were both they they've done a good job of kind of taking his villains down a bit like down a notch to give cuz i mean like peter parker is a kid and he's also only been spider-man for uh, even though this is the second film and he's been in a couple of the the avengers movies he's he's not he hasn't been spider-man for a very long time he hasn't handled a whole lot of really big stuff and the marvel universe is full of <laughs> You know, space aliens and Thanos and Lokis mm-hmm. and gods, and they've done a really good job of taking these Spider-Man characters and kind of taking them down a notch and giving them real-world applications for their, you know, their <clears throat> powers. And uh, I think the what they did with Mysterio in this movie, 
I think it was absolutely yeah. like a genius move to have Mysterio walking around in a motion capture suit mm-hmm. for the entire <laughs> movie. Like I know we we've talked about this in other episodes. Um, you know, the trailers for this movie all show Mysterio is a, is a good guy. And, you know, they're basically banking on the fact that most people who, who, who don't read or watch Spider-Man don't know Mysterio's deal that in the comics and in the cartoons and all that, he's just like a trickster dude. Who's like, basically his powers are that he's just really good at magic all the time, you know, and he can just make you see things or whatever. And he, and he pretends to be a good guy when he's not. And like the way they did it with drones, just projecting, he's not even wearing the suit. He is literally wearing a motion captured. Like that to me was so funny. It's literally, it's a production. Like the fact that he's sitting there and he's getting ready to start his whole plan. But then he's thinking about after he wins and he basically has somebody like steaming the cape of like the hero suit that he's going to have to put on for his close up is hilarious. Yeah. He's being like fed lines and shit. Yeah. It's really smart. One thing that it struck and I don't want to speak too much for Abby, but um, we both thought the same thing that his motivations uh, were very similar to Jim Carrey's motivations in Batman Forever, which was <laughs> basically playing second fiddle to uh, the the billionaire and uh, not <clears throat> not gaining his approval, so therefore uh, trying to overtake him, kind of thing. Um, and dude, Jake Gyllenhaal, he's a good actor. I was a little bit worried about this movie, like for some reason. Maybe it was because when the toys started coming out, we were seeing those other villains. And, like, the last Spider-Man sequel was Amazing Spider-Man 2, and that movie was just, like, bad, bad, bad. And and because this movie was, like, going to Europe, like, I kind of was getting that vibe, like, oh, is this movie just going to be one of those sequels where it's, like, entertaining, but it's just, there's too much going on, there's too many villains, there's too much story that they're trying to fit in, but... It ended up, like Jake said, like it felt very grounded and, and the story was believable because this is the first post-Tony Stark uh, film. Like, yeah. Tony Stark, like the Avengers are, uh, uh, you know, the, the heroes of the world and Tony Stark was the leader and I, people idolized Iron Man. So how does the world move on without him? Uh, and John, you referenced that with the, the press conference scene at the beginning. Um, yeah. But but like, <clears throat> I really enjoyed this movie. I there's a chance I maybe liked it more than Homecoming. I don't. I'll, I'll have to give it another couple of views uh, over time. But uh, I thought I thought Jake Gyllenhaal killed it. Yeah, I think one of the things that I love that this movie did, and that I think more um, franchises or like you know movies that are part of a universe would it would be smart if they really took this kind of lesson to heart. Um, <clears throat> in general, that's not directed at any specific you know, franchise or anything, but I love that Marvel and especially this film do a really good job of, they set their sights on where they want to get with whatever story they're telling currently. And then after that story is told, when they're ready to tell the next one, they look back at the wake that they've caused with what they've just done. They look back at what characters they've built up, what characters they've torn down, what events they've set in motion, what kind of things that are like the collateral of just them telling the story they've wanted to tell. And then they say, okay, well, if that's what we just caused, 
what kind of things are going to happen as a result of that. And in this movie, the way that they like seamlessly just put, I mean, like there's no way that when they were making civil war, they were just like, Oh, this is great. This is actually an origin for Mysterio. So it means something that Tony just kind of flippantly calls this technology barf. Like there's no way that they were thinking that, but then for them to be able to look back and be like, Oh my gosh, this is where he comes from. And then to look back at Iron Man one and be like, this disgruntled scientist is like his right hand man who comes up with the drones and this and this. And like, that is just, that's what makes a universe cohesive. That's what makes it matter that your audience has watched all these movies and paid attention and that you can still look back and make those movies matter even more because you're like, but this is what was happening behind the scenes or after that scene was over. And to me that, you go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, no. I was just, I was just gonna say that it's it just shows how good the writing is and how good the thought process is that we're not just focusing on, <clears throat> you know, the ten main characters that we know. It's like yeah. they're using everything they can and they're doing like who who came up with that? Who like does that mean somebody <laughs> was like okay. We're going to get ready to work on Spider-Man 2. I might as well watch every single Marvel film and just kind of in preparation. I feel like that's not something a lot of people would do. They would just write their movie. Yeah, I think and I think that's one of the benefits of them having someone like Kevin Feige and then just him making sure everybody they bring in, you know, yes, they're coming in with their own flavor and their own vision and their own, you know, style that they want to bring to whatever character they're working on but they're also coming in knowing like you're making one movie but together we're making a much bigger movie and telling a much bigger story of the marvel universe as a whole and as a part of that like you need to come in knowing that you're gonna have to do your homework like not just on i want to use mysterio so read all these mysterio comics and watch all these cartoons that have them in it like you're gonna have to go back and look at the marvel universe and it's not saying he has to come from something that's already happened but know those opportunities when you see it like always be thinking how can i use my film to also help build the universe because they could just go through and make another spider-man movie and introduce mysterio from some random thing we've never heard of and introduce the vulture from some random thing that's not connected to anything and it would still i mean it could still be good but the fact that they are constantly finding ways to just build this universe on top of itself and keep it all connected makes it feel that much more important when you do get to something like infinity war or Endgame or one of these big team up movies, because then it really does all matter. Like, you know what yeah. else is interesting too, that I feel needs to be talked about is like all of the supporting characters in like, so obviously you've got the MCU and then you've got the, the individual movies kind of have their own, uh, kind of self-contained worlds within the the larger picture but mm-hmm. um you know the teachers like played by martin Starr and jb smooth are they were both incredible in this movie like yeah. there's not a wasted line of dialogue everything's funny when um when when uh martin Starr's uh explaining about how his wife faked her death in the snap and they yeah. had a real funeral <laughs> Like <laughs> that's so funny. I just remember that, and that's so funny. Like Dude, stuff that like whole that. Scene with the plane where they're like, it starts out real simple with like Ned and Peter, just like, okay, here's how we're gonna get me to sit next to MJ, and then it just 
completely devolves into that like huge thing. Uh, that scene, <laughs> yeah. it has literally nothing to do with like Spider-Man and the world of Spider-Man, but it's one of the bet like it's one of the funniest things in the whole movie. <laughs> Yeah. Um, real, real, real quick. I just want to say something, to John. You were kind of something. Th- this kind of goes along with what you were just saying, but using the other movies, you know, to to build, you know, the villains here and stuff like that. That yeah. works really well. But then on top of that, for it to be a villain that was basically created because of Tony Stark, yeah. and now and now Spider Man has to kind of fix Tony Stark's, uh, I don't know if you would call it a mistake because it's not something, you know, he didn't, he wasn't purpose. I don't think he was purposely like being, you know, jerks to all these people, but it's, it's like this, this villain exists because of Tony Stark. And now Spider-Man who's trying to get out of Tony Stark's shadow and, and, and not be the next Iron Man literally has to be the next Iron Man and take care of Iron Man's, Right. And the that's scene up. where the scene where he fi- it finally dawns on Peter that that's what he has to do when he's on the plane after Back in Black starts and he talks about or he says, I love Led Zeppelin. Um, <laughs> it's like Tom Holland's great. And in uh, John, I brought this up to both of you, but um, I guess this had been talked about before. I'm not I didn't come up with this, but I could not believe how much he reminded me of Michael J. Fox in this movie. And then, John, yeah. you brought up to me that he based his character in Homecoming very heavily on Marty McFly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't remember the interview where I read that, but I do remember in the lead up like him because they I mean, they're obviously going for a very not 80 specific, but that classic like Brat Pack, John Hughes, like a bunch of teenagers getting into trouble kind of feel with these movies. And Back to the Future wasn't a part of that, but just that classic like 80s teenager, just like holy crap, what's happening around me and how do I handle it? Right. Fish out of water kind of has to... Yeah. Right. Yeah, that very much figured into how he came up with his version. Well, because if you look at Back to the Future, Marty McFly uh, having to... The the whole build-up to him having to hit on his mom, he was very unsure of himself and he kept like reiterating, I don't think I could do this. I don't think I could do this. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I, I think the cast is great. I think Ned's great. Um, his what? What's the? Uh, is it Betty? Is that the the other girl? Mm-hmm. The girl? Yeah, yeah, um, Betty. <laughs> the way that the way that that develops, like I don't see. I'm not a Spider-Man comic reader, so even all the stuff with Flash is kind of lost on me. Um, but it really seems like they're firmly making <clears throat> all of Peter's classmates uh their own kind. Even like in like obviously MJ is a completely different take on MJ, but Zendaya, she's so good. Like, you're rooting for them. It was funny in the theater, there was a a group of kids about 11 or 12 years old, maybe even a little younger, 9 or 10, like four of them sitting kind of uh, uh, down the row from us. And when they finally kissed, all four of these kids started cheering. They were so (laughs) happy. Uh, It was just kind of funny. But um, yeah, I thought the entire thing with Ned and, and Betty was like, and I called it too, like when he put it, like, first of all, when... He put his hand on hers because of the turbulence. I was like, oh, me and Jake have done that. Um, (laughs) But like when he gets off the plane and he calls her babe, I was like, oh, my God, this. And like she's like totally like she's 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 they're they're together. Like I thought that was really, really well done. Perfect writing. They didn't have to do a bunch of like exposition 
Yeah, um, they just let it happen they immediately. Just let it happen, yeah. Another really good piece of writing was so obviously in the second post credit scene, it's revealed that uh, Nick Fury and uh, oh god, what's her name? Kobe Smolders. Yeah. Yeah. Maria Hill. I love saying Kobe Smolders, by the way. What a great name. Um, They were not who we thought they were. We'll get to that. But did you guys have the thought, like, multiple times in the movie, like, like especially when Mysterio is revealed to uh, be bad? I had that thought. I was like, how the fuck did he pull this over on Nick Fury? I I, I talked to John. I talked to John about this afterwards. And I there there wasn't a part of me that was like. I wasn't confused or or like how did Nick Fury not figure this out, but I was constantly annoyed with Nick Fury through this entire yeah, yeah. movie. I was like, I was like, why is he being? He's being like more. He's being like mean. He's never like yeah. I know he's got to get a job done and all that, but he was being so mean the entire movie. And I was like, he's really just like laying into Peter Parker and just kind of being a jerk to the point where the for the first time since he's been in a film ten years ago, I'm very annoyed and I don't like this character in this movie. And then when we found out like oh that wasn't him, I was like oh okay maybe that was all. That's all on purpose. <laughs> yeah. For, for me, it was like I was I was upset at, at how mean he was to Peter. But at the same time, like you had Mysterio still in like, hey, I'm the good guy mode. And and I kind of dismissed that as like, OK, maybe they're doing that because like they really want to play up how Mysterio is there to like, hey, I'm I, I feel for you, dude. Let's work together. But I did like almost at every turn because I, I mean, like. You know, I've read the comics. I'm into Spider-Man and all that kind of stuff. So I knew, even though I didn't know when it was going to happen, and because Jake Gyllenhaal played like, hey, I'm not your enemy so well, I there were times where I genuinely didn't want it to happen that he was going to reveal he was a bad guy. But because he was there doing that, I, I was kind of like, okay, maybe they're doing that to emphasize Mysterio being a good guy at this point in time. But there were definitely times along the way where I was just waiting for – Peter to be like, no, you don't understand. He's he's actually a villain. And then for Nick to be like, oh, I know. Like I've, I've known this whole time. This whole thing is so we can finally take it. But it never happened. And then yeah, when when you finally figure out what's going on, it's just this moment of, oh, especially. And this is what got me talking about good writing because it didn't dawn on me until they had that reveal at the end, early on. Uh, literally, I think it's the first line in the movie, Maria and Fury show up to that disaster area, and it's the first time we see Mysterio, and Maria says, you know, I understand that we investigate disasters, but this really isn't our kind of thing, Nick. And then if you've seen Captain Marvel, you know he has that line about, like, nobody calls me anything but Fury. Not Nicholas, not Nick, not anything. I'm just Fury. I call my mom Fury. She calls me Fury. And... uh and it happens then, and then later on there's like a throwaway line where you come into the scene and he's like on the phone or talking to Maria or something, and he's just like, how was I supposed to know that the Kree had sleeper agents or something oh, like I picked up on that. Yeah, I picked up on and that. And it's just like you kind of have this moment of like, okay, maybe he's just taking care of business because that's a thing in this world now. But also you just have this feeling of – that's a very specific. It was in there line. for a reason. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's in there for a reason. I heard that line too, but I, just like you just said, I was I just thought it was an Easter egg, basically, to let us but know how about, that 
we're still talking about it. How about the way he reacted when Peter brought up Captain Marvel? And he said, do not invoke her name. Like, I guess Fury would act like that, but they definitely would. I, I told I told this is another thing I told John. And you know what? And they, they put that line in one of the trailers. It, it was either in one of the trailers or it was in a clip that I watched before I saw the movie. And whenever I saw it, I felt weird about it. I was like, oh, that's a. I was like, that's a <laughs> that's an extreme reaction to, mm-hmm. to Spider-Man saying that. And then when you when, you know, me and John, we were talking about this afterward. I was like, oh, that that line makes much more sense coming. Yeah. From scroll yeah yeah yep i said his name greg what i cut out what what is his name ben mendelson (laughs) yeah that's um so okay cool so we all liked it uh we're all on the same page hold on quick question so does that mean that maybe people thinking that they saw ben mendelson slash talos in the background when peter goes back to school at the end of endgame might have been right. I mean, oh, it's possible. Yeah, it's very I guess possible. So. You know what struck me about this movie is the visuals uh, were like some of the best visuals I've seen in the MCU, like mm-hmm. since Doctor Strange. Like all of the sequence, the whole sequence where Peter goes to find um, uh, da, 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 when he he thinks he's with Nick Fury and he's they're trying to take down Mysterio and. It turns into the entire the thing with the train and yeah all of that like the, all the kind when of they're dreamy in the matrix basically mysteria. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that I stuff was, was all really well done it was really well done it was fantastic it was fun uh, it was also like scary because that not knowing if what you're seeing is real or not which obviously he learns his lesson and then later in the movie he's able to not get faked out um, because he's got his Peter tingle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I love that. Like, of course. Like, I, that's what the MCU is so good is like, you know that it's a Spider Man movie, but it's just a different version of Spider Man than we've seen before. It's familiar enough, and the characters are familiar enough. So I saw some people complaining about Aunt May's age again. Like, come oh, on, God. dude. Like, who, like, just. just <clears throat> Uh, John, why is Jake, that important? I don't Who know. Cares? As as longtime Spider Man fans, why is that important? Because I think it's not. Uh, I think that Marissa Tomei kills it. I think not, what happens is I think what's happening is like with a lot of franchises and especially a lot of adaptations, people are it's stuck. change. It changes. Yeah, bad. it's change. Change is bad. It, people are stuck in. Like the She's supposed of the to be character. old, guys. Yeah, they're stuck to the version of the character that they fell in love with, and anything that changes that, they're just like, "Well, this is wrong," or "Well, you know, down the line, there's going to be some event where Aunt May gets caught in a time loop, and then when she comes back, she'll have gray hair." Like they want to make up all these excuses for like, "Oh, eventually it'll be accurate to the comics." It's like, shut up! Like That's this so is good. Stupid. Go with it. Are you telling me you'd rather look at like the Aunt May from God? Here comes toxic masculinity. All I'm saying is I like Marissa Tomei. I always have. <laughs> Those jeans, though. Well, and... Jeez. Oh. But, I mean, it's... it's. I mean... I, I don't get it. I was going to say I get it, but, like, it, here's the thing. Like, whatever actress they can get to come in and deliver an Aunt May that you're like, hey, I believe her as a character on her own. I believe that she genuinely like loves and cares about Peter. And like, this is the woman who basically raised him and just wants to make sure he's okay. And, and like, and the chemistry she has with everyone she interacts with on screen is good. I'm like, Hey, 
go be Aunt May, do your thing. It's not like, it's it's not that important of a part of the story. It just it yeah. just isn't. This this Spider Man for once is a little bit younger than like I know he was in high school for a little bit in in Raimi's film and all that stuff, but but those actors were older. Like this is the first time we've had a Spider Man that really felt like he was in high school. Yeah, and you feel like these are all if actually. If, if, if everybody's going to be a little bit younger, it's okay to make the ant a little bit younger too. It doesn't. It's just not an important part of the story. It just yeah. isn't. Because her, I mean, if you look at any version of Spider Man, if your answer for like why is Aunt May a part of the story is so she can be there and be old, then you're not understanding the character. Like. It doesn't matter if she's old. She just needs to be old enough to be his aunt, and then you're fine. Yeah, yeah I completely agree with that. Um, what do we – so were you guys – one thing people were excited about was, you know, when they talked – when Mysterio says he's from Earth whatever, multiverse kind of thing. Um, obviously, that's still possible in, in the MCU, but uh, he was lying. Uh, I was a little bit bummed about that, but I'm, I'm assuming that once they – introduce concepts of a multiverse it'll be done in a better way than uh just saying it like explaining what it is i guess i i was a little i was a little bummed but also kind of it's like you kind of saw it coming if you knew that you know we i mean going into it i knew he was full of shit and he was lying about something so it didn't it wasn't too big of a you know surprise but it is a little bit of a bummer when when you see a trailer that's like, hey, this is the world. I can't, I can't remember exactly what the numbers are, but those worlds and those num- specific numbers exist in the comic book. Yeah, and you're like, like I, I forget yeah. which one he said that he was from, but he says like yours is is Earth six one six, and in exactly, the comics, yeah. the mainstream Marvel universe is referred to as Earth six one six. Yeah, and it, and another like one of those things happened where uh, I think maybe I don't know a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, somebody. <laughs> Somebody posted, you know, some sort of theory where like, you know, hey, if we're talking about, you know, if 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 it opened up a, a, a rift to some of these other worlds and we're getting, you know, multiple universes now, that's a very easy way to bring in a lot of other characters, including the X-Men or just whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a light, a little bit of a letdown, but also. Sure, that stuff can still exist yeah. however it wants to, whatever it's not I just like. can't believe, like, how far we've come. Like, it wasn't that long ago when we were, like, having conversations. Probably, I'm trying to think when Civil War came out. Like, <clears throat> it was five years ago when we were going, man, do you think they'll ever be able to have Spider-Man in the Avengers? And the answer was, nope, mm-hmm. they just can't because Sony owns it and it just will never happen because studios will never partner up like that. And it's like, bam, Civil War, bam. Homecoming, Avengers, Endgame, you know, Infinity. Yeah. Like we we've now seen uh, Peter Parker with Tom Holland as Peter Parker like five or six times in a very yeah. short period of time, and I can't wait to see where they go with it because like his story, like t- uh, this was very much a coming of age kind of movie, and uh, the first one was to a certain extent, but this one definitely was because he's like we talked about earlier coming to grips with what his role is uh, as a superhero. Um, and obviously that's going to change, uh, or potentially could change drastically, uh, before we talk about the post credit scenes, anything else we want to hit? I know we kind of went rapid fire. Uh, any final thoughts on, uh, far from home? Um, no, let's, let's just hit these, let's hit these after credits. <laughs> 
I just want to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. First, uh, after Jake's like, come on. <laughs> okay. So, John, you've talked to me before about the thing you thought the live-action Spider-Man movies, especially in the MCU, were missing were really good wide-angle shots of Spider-Man swinging through New York. Um, this post-credit scene, uh, well, the end of the movie and the post-credit scene was a lot of swinging around New York. Were yeah, you happy yeah. with that? Did you enjoy I, it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. Like, say what you will about either the Raimi films or the the Mark Webb, Andrew Garfield films, but those set a very specific visual for what it looks like to see live action Spider-Man. And a big part of that visual was him just completely like New York is his playground. And, and even though it might to some people be the worst live action film, amazing Spider-Man two to me, like that was he, that was when Spider-Man himself looked the best when he's in action. And to me that, you know, the movies were part of what made me fall in love with Spider-Man. And so that's very iconic to me. And I, I really, enjoyed homecoming for for what it did to really make him like you know the friendly neighborhood spider-man but i think i think it's kind of perfect actually that that was saved until the end of the movie really because the story of home or the story of far from home is really about him coming into his own as a hero and i think it's that moment when he's on the jet and he's like oh hey okay i gotta make a new suit i gotta do this i gotta do this and i think happy sees it too you know it's not just that oh my God, he reminds me of Tony. It's like, here's this kid, like he, he's got a direction. He knows who he wants to be and what he wants to do. And I think getting to the end of the movie and finally getting to see him, you know, he's got his new suit, he's comfortable. He swings in and he picks up MJ and they're swinging around. Like it felt like that was earned. Oh, and she's what what I loved about that is MJ, by the way, we haven't talked about her that much. She's great. She's great. The whole scene where she tells Tom Holland that, uh, she knows that he's Spider-Man and he's like, no, you don't like whatever. Like, no, I'm not like, and she's like, yeah, you are. And like, then she's like, I was only like 60% sure. Like, yeah, they're, they're great. Um, yeah. but I love when he's swinging with her. She's reacting like any human being would. Cause mm-hmm. one thing I don't like in these superhero movies is when people don't react like the things they're seeing are insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's swinging with her and they're going all around New York. And then the big reveal Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh God! Drawing a blank. J. Jonah Jameson played by Star of Whiplash. What is his name? J.K. Simmons. J.K. Thank Simmons. God, I could not think of Here's, his name. God, that was so good. It was so good, dude. I, I think the thing that I love the most is is that they really like. <clears throat> you never really like. Obviously, the Bugle played a big part in the Sam Raimi films. In the Amazing Spider-Man films, it wasn't really featured at all, except for like a throwaway email conversation between Peter and, and Jameson, who you don't see. And then here, you know, you're in a world where we've already seen how much technology plays into it. And we see how much like people rely on phones and the Internet and Stark tech and all this stuff to communicate and to, to stay connected. It really wouldn't have made sense to introduce the Daily Bugle as this huge popular newspaper anymore, especially because half of the staff of the Bugle in the comics have kind of been repurposed as students at Peter's High School, which is great. But then to then like bring the Bugle out as almost like an InfoWars conspiracy theory website with Jameson as like the Alex Jones of the MCU, I thought that was just genius. I... <laughs> I can't believe how weird it is that they kept 
J.K. Yeah. Simmons. Like I, <laughs> I love J.K. Simmons. I love him. He is very funny. He is. This is not the first time I have professed my love for J.K. Simmons on the show, mm-hmm. and he was a very, very great part of the Raimi Spider-Man films. And it is just so weird that Marvel is taking. It's just weird. It's weird that they would yeah. take the same actor, keep them in the same role from a completely different, you know, universe. Change him enough that he's not. We know he's not exactly the same person, but keeping him is just so weird, and I love it so yeah. much i think i probably like i think i audibly made a noise when i saw his face i think my hands went to my head and i was like what i could not <laughs> believe it i hope i do hope he's i hope he plays i hope it wasn't just a little easter egg for the end of this film i do hope he plays a role in uh the next spider-man movie but i loved that yeah, yeah I, I mean th- he was the one that broke the the big news like so i would imagine that they'd have to bring him back and like reference him and he's continuing to fuel the fire of like we can't trust spider-man yeah yeah and i wonder like so he's it's an iconic performance and everybody already associates him with embodying j jonah jameson Mm -hmm. and i feel like they didn't really have a choice like you're not if you recast like that's one Mm -hmm. role where if you recast it it's really really hard like yeah um because it's just the way it is. I was trying to think if there's well, other he, there's other instances of this happening. There's got to be kind of there's they kind of did it with the old Batman films, keeping the same guy as Alfred. But they, I mean, there's like a vague like, no, these are all kind of sequels. Yeah, like, they is, never yeah, really I, think, I think those movies. I think those movies are all supposed to be yeah. sequels of each other. So, but they, but yeah, I I, I think you're right, Craig. I think. Maybe they could have found somebody who could have come in and done a great Jameson and done all this stuff, and it would I mean, have been fun. But like, I would, I, I, I would have assumed they just would have changed the character a little bit and just made him less. He's very cartoony, and right. he, he is one of the most. He is one of the things in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films that they did not try to rein in. They did not try to usually in a movie version of something like you know of a cartoon or a comic book. They they pull it down a little bit yeah. and they make it a little more real world. They did not do that with like they let him be as just insane like, as yeah, he they is. Were just like, hey man, dumb. you remember you remember JJ? Just do that. Just yeah. Do so I, I I would have imagined they just would have basically changed the character, like give him a name, but just completely make him. You know, it was interesting too no. when 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 Peter was swinging and he was taking selfies and like like. That was almost like a little precursor with like, okay, Spider Man's flying around, swinging around, I taking the pictures. Same thing. Um, yep. I, I thought the same thing. I, I thought that it was like, oh, is he is he is he on his way to the Daily Bugle yeah. right now? Right. And he was well, kind so, of. It's very much like the. Uh, I don't know if you guys have played the the new Spider Man video game that came out for PlayStation Four, but that is like a thing you can do in the game is swing around and take selfies and do all that kind of stuff. So doesn't J- like, doesn't JK Simmons do the voice in the game too? I think I, I can't remember. He um, is just that character forever. Now. That's yeah, him. He's, well, he's done he's it in some of the character. cartoons as well too. Like he just like, and, and that's, and that's what I was going to bring up. I feel it, like, I feel like the closest is like when they bring Mark Hamill back to do the Joker in sure, standalone yeah. animated Batman movies. It's like, it's not the same version of the Joker, but it's, it is, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and that's the thing, like 
when when he, when you have J.K. Simmons as Jameson or like Mark Hamill as the Joker, I guess it's not exactly the same when it's voice acting. But like J.K. when you when you watch the Raimi films, you're not watching J.K. Simmons playing Jameson. It feels like you're just watching like no, he's a real person. Like that is J. Jonah Jameson. And I think when you have someone that just hits that character so perfectly. Even if you had found someone else to play that character in the MCU, there'd always be this feeling of like, yeah, but like you could have just got the real Jameson. I, is they, it? Is they, it? They just did it. Is this the same kind of? It's almost. It's almost the same as casting. Uh, this. Uh, I, I feel so dumb. I just like I just completely lost his name, but. But uh, the voice of Mufasa in the new Lion King. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. James yeah. Is, yeah, James, James, James Jones. Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's very similar. I mean, um, because here's the thing: they could have cast somebody else as James Earl Jones, and some people would be like, <laughs> "Cool with." I'm sorry, you know what I meant. <laughs> cast somebody as Mufasa. This is this is the episode where Craig just doesn't. He refuses to acknowledge character names. Yeah, no, I don't care. It's it's Ned. And Flash, they are not people to me. Uh, they mm-hmm. could have cast somebody else as Mufasa, and there would probably have been some backlash and some people who liked it. But if you just use James Earl Jones, nobody's nobody has anything bad to say. So yeah, like right. nobody's going to come out and say that was stupid to have J.K. Simmons. Like everyone's going to go, oh, that's pretty damn cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the second post credit scene where it's revealed. Hey, but re- really quick though, oh, we just the spent, reveal. We, reveal. We just spent that entire time talking about J.K. Simmons, but not the fact that he reveals that Peter Parker yeah. is Spider-Man. How are they going to deal with that? Are people maybe maybe it's the kind of thing where like it, it is like Alex Jones and just nobody pays attention to it? Well, that's that's the tough part. I mean, like I they set it up by saying like the controversial conspiracy website, the Daily Bugle. And they they very much play it up like an Alex Jones thing. But, you know, they have the clip that Mysterio made where you hear Peter Parker's voice say, you know, do it, execute them all, Edith. And then they show the picture of him. And like people are going to hear Peter talk, whether it's his friends or somebody passing by. And they're going to be like, oh, my God, it was you. Yeah, I don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to be a, you know, was that a real video? Was it not? I think it's just going to be now in this next movie. Other than the villain that we're going to have, we're also going to have to watch Peter Parker and Spider-Man figure out how to, you know, be a good guy again. Here's here's the other thing that's interesting, too, is like Peter has basically like he has access to all of Tony's technology and everything now. So he could find some way to make it at least to the mass majority of the public be like no this was doctored footage blah 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 like this isn't real i'm not this person see i have a different play it off like that the end but of like a, at the end of iron man when when tony stark <clears throat> reveals <throat> that he is iron man maybe that's just part of this universe like people just yeah. know that's who spider-man is maybe maybe this ends with spider-man eventually peter parker becoming the next iron man i i thought like um <clears throat> there was one part earlier in this movie where when they were, when they were doing all of the, like, you know, I'm not Iron Man, all that kind of stuff. I was like, what if this movie ends with Peter Parker in front of a bunch of people being like, I am Spider-Man, like exactly how the first Iron Man ends, which would have been cool. But I mean, you you could be on, like, you could be onto something like it could, it it could get to a point where he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm Spider-Man. I'm Spider-Man. Whatever. 
He's not Spider-Man, though. He's the Night Monkey. He's the Night Monkey. <laughs> He's got a Peter Tingle. I mean, how do you... So what's the issue with Spider-Man? As he gets older and is not in high school, it loses some of the charm. What if in the MCU they do introduce Miles Morales <clears throat> as Spider-Man yeah. and Peter Parker becomes the next Iron Man? Like, what, what, we, that's how you get God, another... That's so weird, but it, it could they could do it. It could work. I could definitely... I mean... That's how do you recast Iron thing. Man? Like I would use Tom I, Holland. Everybody loves him. Honestly, like I wouldn't even make him Iron Man. Like Spider Man is such an iconic and important character. I think part of the lesson of the film is just that like he's so concerned about being Iron Man. Iron Man is Tony Stark, but he's Spider Man, and he can use all the same tools and all this. Like he can yeah. use that to he make is, himself a better Spider Man. So if Miles basically, does show up, yeah, You're then right. he he can just teach him how to be a better Spider Man than he was. He's basically in an Iron Man suit anyway. Yeah. At this, like the 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 suit that not the one you know not necessarily the one he he builds for himself that he's in in the end of the movie because that that suit is a little more traditional Spider Man. But mm-hmm. the suit he's in in the beginning and the suit that he is in in um, uh, Endgame and all that like the yeah, suit that the Tony Iron makes it is a yeah the Iron Spider suit that is basically an Iron Man suit yeah and I think that's part that's a visual cue for like him learning like hey like the suit is great obviously he's not uncomfortable with the suit but when he has the chance to make his own suit he doesn't make himself like Iron Spider 2.0 like he makes the suit that he needs and that he wants and it's it's closer to what we expect of a Spider-Man suit and I think that's him yeah. embracing like I can use all the tools that I have it doesn't mean I have to be Tony right cool let's talk about this last scene and we'll wrap it up um it's revealed that um Maria Hill and Nick Fury are not who we thought they were for the entire movie. Uh, it is revealed that they are actually uh, familiar characters. They are scrolls uh, from uh, I can't I can't even think of his name. Ben Mendelsohn's character and in, in Talos. Talos and his girlfriend Milosh. What's wife. her name? His wife Milosh. Um. Hey, I don't know her name, but do we think Nick Fury? And Mick Foley know each other? Yes. They got similar <laughs> names. Dude, I, I think hang out. when they cut to Nick Fury just waking up on like that space station oh. or whatever, that <clears throat> shit was funny. Uh, her laughed. name is Sorin. Sorin. Gotcha. Sauron. Um, what did, what did, what nope, did, that's a different character. Oh. Yeah. That's <laughs> an X-Men character. Stop it, Craig. What did we think? <laughs> what did we think? Sorin. S-O-R-E-N. Thorin. John, what did yeah. you feel? What were your feelings? Um, so I thought so. The reveal definitely <coughs> blew my mind. Like I almost couldn't even comprehend the scene because I was just like, "Wait a second. And uh, so, like that reveal was really good. And then the when he finally is just like, "All right, all right, I'll call him." And he calls Nick, and he's uh, you know, he's telling him everything that happened. And um, yeah, I just. I thought that was great because to me, the fact that they specifically mentioned the Kree sleeper cells earlier in the film, they could have mentioned anything like that is the perfect way to be like, oh, by the way, this is brewing and I'm thinking about it. But back to the movie and the fact that they mentioned the Kree like that to me was a big like red flag of like, dude, they want us to remember who the Kree are. They're probably going to be important. This could be leading toward like a secret invasion storyline. And then you get to the end and you realize that it's. You know, it's not Nick and Maria, it's Scrolls, And then you see that 
Fury himself is uh, up on a space station, and there's all this stuff happening. And, and, you know, he's hanging out with the rest of the scrolls, and I'm sure, like, Captain Marvel's hanging out there somewhere. Like, I don't think that's just a setup for Captain Marvel 2. I think that's a setup for, like, here's what matters for the rest of everything going forward, at least for this phase of the MCU. It yeah. seems to me it seems to me that they're trying to do some sort of they, they they've changed some things around here with the with the Kree and the and the scrolls and a a big part of comic history is the secret invasion in which you find out a lot of your heroes have been scrolls the entire time because they're you know trying to take over the world and then we got Captain Marvel where you find out halfway through the film, like these scrolls are not, they're not bad guys. They're, they're the good guys here. And, um, I spent the entire time watching captain Marvel thinking these scrolls are full of shit and they're about to turn on us. You know, like I was like, these are bad guys. What are we doing here? Uh, but ultimately they, they were not. So you get like this imagery of Nick Fury turning into a scroll. And the first thing you think of is like, Oh, Secret Invasion, oh, but it's not the Secret Invasion because they're the good guys here, and Nick Fury, they're talking to Nick Fury. He seemingly has, like, put him in charge of this task, like, so he could be here doing this other thing. It seems like they're maybe taking the whole Secret Wars thing and kind of flipping it on its head, and maybe they're flipping around some of how it happened to use it for, a you know, a new purpose. Well, I think I think, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, Jake, a little while ago. But the uh, I think what is happening is what happens with a lot of uh, when you adapt a comic book storyline to a movie or a TV version of that storyline, which is you have to take the the soul of whatever that comic is or the the gist of it. And then figure out how that sort of event fits into the world that you've already crafted. Like when the Flash TV series did Flashpoint, you know, we didn't jump into seeing Thomas Wayne as Batman and all this Aquaman fighting Wonder Woman and all that. They just took the soul of it and said, how do we do that on our show? When they took parts of the long Halloween in year one and used that in the Christopher Nolan movies, you know, you could see how that was an influence, but it wasn't necessarily just like exactly like that same thing yeah. with uh with like civil war like that wasn't as intense and crazy as the comic book was but it was still civil war and i think that with this i think we've seen some scrolls with talos and the people that he wanted to rescue who who are good like they just wanted to survive they just wanted to find a place to call home and we've obviously seen that like basically every cree that we've met in the mcu has kind of been a jerk and so you, it has been flipped from the comic so far in the sense of like the scroll are bad and the Cree or the scroll are good and the Cree are bad. But I think it would be easy to un, like, I mean, that was Captain Marvel was in the nineties. It's now 20, it's like 2025 or 27 in the MCU. If you follow the timeline, I think, um, after that five year jump in Endgame, And, uh, and at this point, you know, that war is still going on. Even if all of the scroll were kind of like, it's okay, we're going to do the right thing back in the 90s. At this point, they might be like, guys, we're tired of just being stepped on and, and not, like, we just want this to be over. And some of them might have gotten to the point where they're just like, screw this, I'm not I'm not being Mr. Nice Guy anymore. So where yeah. Talos might 
be the head of a faction that's just like we want to just survive there might be plenty that are like no we're going to take the fight to them and we don't care who gets hurt and that's where you might see some some scrolls start to hide out on earth and and kind of be scroll sleeper agents and uh and then you know it just it sets up a lot of ambiguity and and like i i, I told you jake there's i think that makes for a better like a more compelling story instead of just like here's the scrolls they're bad here's the kree they're good avengers pick your side and then everybody teams up to kill the scrolls or something i think having that murkiness of like not everyone's good not everyone's bad but here are the avengers who always claim to be the good guys how do you become a factor in that fight who do you support and how are you going to deal with the ramifications that has for humanity and for earth i think that even that just sounds like it'd be a way more nuanced and interesting thing to see on film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Who knows? I mean, it's going to be crazy. So uh, we'll get wrapped up here. Um, Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con's in a couple weeks. Uh, Marvel's doing a Hall <laughs> H panel. We're, we're assuming that they are going to be announcing this next slate of movies because nothing has been officially announced for next year. We do know Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going into production sometime next year and rumblings uh, that Black Widow has actually already started filming. Um, but but we don't know. We know that there's going to be another Black Panther, another Captain Marvel. Uh, they're doing the Eternals movie. And then we've got all the Disney Plus shows. So uh, mm-hmm. Scarlet Witch and Vision and uh, you know Bucky and Falcon. Like there, There's just a lot. So... And I want more. I want more Spider Man. I want to see more of uh, Tom Holland and Spider Man. I really, I really Agreed. like that guy. Agreed. I love that video of him. Uh, did you guys see the video of what, all the people were trying to get autographs and the the autograph hounds were like pressing oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. pressing this poor girl up against the fence. She was getting crushed, and he was like, "I will throw your shit on the ground." It was so yeah. funny. <laughs> she's like, "Please that. help me." He's like, "I got you. I got you." I was like, "Oh man, he's he's a legit hero. He's, he's a, a good dude." Hero. Um, because I'm an autograph collector, but if you're one of those dudes who like hangs out at airports to get like 10, eight by tens to flip them on eBay, that's, uh, that ain't right. Okay. Well, John, dude, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Anytime. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. We wish Abigail well in her her summer sickness. And, uh, listen, if you want to get in on yes, have some podcast, if you're listening to us and you haven't subscribed yet, make sure that you head to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you can get your podcasts, also YouTube, and uh, hit that subscribe button. That way you come, uh, no, you don't come, we come straight to you on your phone, (laughs) no matter where you are, you will never miss an episode. And you can find us on social media, at YHS Podcast, on Instagram and Facebook, no, Instagram and Twitter. I don't know what I'm doing. I've complete. it's the 4th of July, I want a goddamn hot dog, (laughs) at YHS Podcast, on Twitter and Instagram, and then you can find the official Facebook group for Yes Have Some Podcast. It is called Group Therapy. Now, normally Abby tells everybody how to get there. but uh, just You just like uh, – <laughs> I, I was just waiting for you to be like, and Abby, how do you uh, show them how to – tell them how to get to uh, Group Therapy? And then just cut her audio from last episode and just right. throw it in here. <laughs> well, I love what she talks about it because really how you get to Group Therapy is you go to Facebook and you search Yes Have Some Group Therapy and you join. But Abby, it. she's like – Okay, first, go to Best Buy. Buy a computer. Buy a computer. Get a good deal. Go home, set it up, read the manual, turn it on. Make sure, yeah. 
hook up your modem, get your router set up. Yeah, um, get an just, HDMI cable. You yeah. just gotta, you know, make sure you got all the right cords. Uh, Once you have internet access, join Facebook. Join Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Sign up make, for Facebook. <laughs> make sure your uh, Wi-Fi password is is safe and hard to guess. Yes. Yeah. We don't want anybody of that. No. So listen. Don't uh, group- be like Happy Hogan and just make it password. Oh, that was that was really good. Uh, group therapy's fun, man. We have a lot of really fun discussions going on. Uh, we're going to be having a, a, a spoiler thread for Spider-Man, all the Ghostbusters talk, all the Bill and Ted talk. And there was a great th- uh, thread this week about people seeing movies for the first time. A uh, friend of the podcast, Ray Esposito, watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure for the first time in his life yesterday. Uh, so, uh, But that's okay. I watched uh, Top Gun and Blues Brothers in the last two weeks, and... Uh, those are not movies that I had seen before because I'm a poser. Let's face it. I have no idea what I'm doing. Hold on. Hold on. Yo. <laughs> not Blues Brothers. Animal House. Did I say Okay. Blues I was about to say Blues Brothers? I no. was like, you've seen Blues Brothers. I love Brothers. Blues All Brothers. Right. I love Uncle okay. Dad. Boy, you know what right. I heard him hey, say that he hadn't also, seen uh, I also haven't seen Animal House. Yeah, well, I haven't seen yo. it. Listen, Animal House is a good uh, picture, but uh, you know when we're talking about Blues Brothers, we're talking about two buddies with sunglasses on in Chicago. Oh man, playing that R and B music was very important to the. Uh... Listen, I love Dan Aykroyd. We're gonna get him on the podcast this year, and uh, are we? <laughs> we're are gonna we? teach Dan Aykroyd what a podcast is. No, we're gonna a, get him on. Remember, John, well, you were here. You're not gonna have Jason on until next year, so you got some right. time to get Dan in. No, uh, earlier tonight I was talking about my podcast. Uh, oh wow! It's yeah, a, it's a, a northeastern fishing show. Right. Oh my gosh! I'm, it's kind of it's guys. It's kind of it's kind of like Bassmasters. Bass yeah. yeah. I, I can do this. I got tackle in the garage. We can we can make it happen. Hi everybody! Welcome to Yes House. Some Codcast. We're out here in Kenosha. I don't know what Kenosha is. <laughs> I don't think it's near water. <laughs> I thought he said Genosha. I was like, are we talking about X-Men again? Mutants got to earn a living too. For Jacob Walsh, Abigail Gardner, and of course our special friend guest, John Yurkabe, a part four. Uh, John, by the way, congratulations on all of your FanFest uh, merchandise that you designed selling for a lot of money on eBay. Have you been hey, able to get uh, your hands on any yet? I I have two sets of patches um, and then I have like one of everything else that came in the swag bags. Um, so, I so mean, what you're saying is you're no. about to sell a set. No, I, dude, I wanted to, I mean, <laughs> real talk. Like I, I got back from FanFest and I was like, oh man, like I wanted a set to send my dad for Father's Day because it's like, you know, I, he taught me how to draw pretty much and like to be yeah. able to be like, dad, look at what I did. And uh, no, I'm just sitting here staring at my two sets of, of patches and everything, just like, well, at least I got some. <laughs> well, I feel like we'll, we'll 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 try to track down some more merch. Well, but, uh, I, I don't. Well, here I don't want to take anybody else's patches. Like I want everybody to enjoy them. I just I would love to see like if there's any overstock or anything. Like see that go to Ghost Core or find some way to like disperse it. I don't know how much was made. I at least like. Probably not enough, honestly. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody I mean, didn't probably, get it. There's there's Somebody. like this idea that there's like a oh, – it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark and it's just in a box somewhere. But really, everybody got all that exists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there will be uh, – you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to eat some dinner. I'm going to celebrate the 4th of July and I'm going to avoid earthquakes at all costs. John? Yeah. 
how do uh, how do people find you online and then we'll wrap this up for real hey uh if you guys want to check out what i am up to i'm on twitter and instagram at john j-o-h-n your kaba y-u-r-c-a-b-a four like the number and uh yeah you could see what i'm up to i'm posting artwork doing all kinds of crazy business i'm also on facebook at the art of john your uh full disclosure i don't update that one nearly as much as i should but i usually uh if you hit me up on instagram or on twitter i'm always happy to interact with people and show off what i'm working on so very cool all right you can also find me in group therapy yes you can yeah yes we can remember that (laughs) all right Happy holidays, everybody. Be safe. Don't blow yourself up with a firework. And uh, by the way, when the when the the dogs, when the canines take over, they're going to be like shoving uh, 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 bottle rockets and mortars down people's throats. Like I feel so bad for animals on Fourth of July. So uh, we hope that all of your pets are indoors and safe. Yeah, definitely. That's my PSA for the week. See, I'm a good person, Jake. I told you. Uh, Sure. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. All right. See you later. Take it easy.